Welcome back to Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to start with the Celtics and all the news coming out of the Boston Celtics and the situation involving Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens and coaches and everything going on with their team. So uh, it started out as just a very bad season that ended with a very uh, bad Brooklyn Nets series where they only won one game. And it got to the point where things just kind of went uh, from bad to worse and they couldn't win this series. And that's kind of what ended up happening. And they were done. Series over. And throughout the season, just how bad they were and everything, we didn't know what was going to happen with Brad Stevens. We didn't know what would happen with um, Danny Ainge. And then literally the day after they lose the series to Brooklyn, there's the news that Danny Ainge is stepping down and Brad Stevens is taking over. So, we, or I should say me personally, I don't know if he stepped down on his own or if there was someone on the inside pushing him towards the, the door. If it was Wick and uh, Pegula or whoever in the ownership group or the sort of top of the, the Celtics organization who pushed Danny through that door and said, look, you've done great, you've had a good career here, it's time to move on. And he did. Or maybe it was just Danny Ainge saying, look, I haven't played um, my best part for this team. I haven't done what I needed to to get them to the championship. And at this point in time, I can't see myself sticking around long term if the case uh, is going to be me just average basketball. And so I'm stepping down on my own. Me personally, I don't know what the answer is. But he stepped down, he made a statement, Celtics uh, confirmed it, and then we get what is probably a lot more surprising news, Brad Stevens taking over for uh, Danny Ainge as the guy who is the president of basketball operations. Now, Danny Ainge leaving is by no means anything out of the ordinary, uh, and a lot of people, including myself, think it was, ne- it was necessary at this time for Danny to, to leave and step down because they needed a change but what's more surprising to most people is that brad stevens took over that's the surprising part of it all is he was a nba head coach for the celtics and that's it no nba experience outside of that he was great in college he's been a great celtics coach but does he have what it takes to be that guy who is making those big decisions especially seeing as it's june we have a draft coming up soon you need him in there making the decisions on the guys, going around seeing who's available, then doing the whole free agency thing and making sure everything is ready for next season. So is he ready to take this role on? I think so. He, in statements, has said that he's done with coaching and was ready to move on to something else. And this uh, seems like that is what uh, is uh, the case. And so um, I think he can be very good And I think he has a bright future as the player of basketball operations uh, for the Celtics. But my only concern comes with the players. And there's rumors that Kemba might get traded. There's rumors that, you know, Smart could be on the move. And is Brad Stevens, um, in the case of Mark Smart, he's been there for years. In the case of Kemba, you know, he's been there for a little bit, not that long. But is... Brad Stevens able to disconnect from being the head coach where you really don't have to make these decisions you're kind of on the side of the player and now going into a position where you have to make those tough choices where 
if you get rid of Marcus Smart, are fans going to get upset? And if they do, are you going to be able to kind of keep, you know, from losing your cool, right? Um, you know, and one of the things about being a general manager is having to do decisions and make decisions that aren't the ideal ones or the ones that make people happy, right? That's just how it is, right? Think about Kemba playing in Charlotte for his whole career and not getting a max contract from them and then moving on to Boston. The Charlotte fans had to be upset that Kemba was such a big part of their team for years drafted there and then they just didn't even give him what he wanted and he's gone. So, you know, sometimes those decisions might work. Obviously, Terry Rozier came in and seems like that's a good situation right there. But a lot of times, if you're a head coach going into this position or just in general going into this position, you can't stay close to these players because you know at some point, or you have to know at some point, they could be on the move. And, you know, if there's a big trade in the future and your team is looking to get something done and there's one guy who's going to get involved and you're going to have to trade someone away, you can't keep someone around, even if it's a great trade, um, because of the fact that you guys or you have a relationship with that player. Uh, so you have to make tough decisions. Now, my question um, afterwards, or from what I just kind of was discussing, is will Tatum and Brown be off-limits like Danny Ainge had put them? Or if Bradley Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, etc., etc., superstar comes on the market and Jalen Brown has to be involved, will Brad Stevens have a little bit more of a, you know, open mind in terms of, okay, I've seen the team, I've coached the team, I know what our issues are. Are we going to go out there and make a move? So if Carl Anthony Towns is the guy who gets traded to Boston and Jalen Brown has to be the guy that goes in return, will Brad Stevens be open to doing that? Uh, you know, will Brad Stevens be open to getting Bradley Beal if it means getting rid of Jalen Brown or someone else who's a big part of this team? Well, I don't know, but I think if he's willing to, you know, consider all options, then that's the case. And I think for someone like him who's been the head coach for years and knows the issues at least last season and sees this situation taking place, you know, Brad Stevens at that time, all he could do was coach. You know, they bring in Fournier, they bring in this guy, they bring in that guy. He can't really do too much in terms of, well, this doesn't fit what we're looking for, right? Obviously, Brad Stevens knows what his team needs, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the two superstars, so you have to build a team around them, and Danny didn't seem to do the greatest job, and so for pretty much, um, you know, for Brad Stevens' future as this player of basketball operations, I think he might do a little bit better in a sense uh, because he knows what those players were going through and knows how to kind of fix that, right? The reason why Miami and the reason why more so Cleveland was a much uh, better successful team with LeBron is because in the case of Cleveland and Miami, they added players that benefited LeBron and more so with Cleveland because you had in Miami Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, but with Cleveland it was really just LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, um, and then just LeBron and Kevin Love when Kyrie left, but Kevin Love's a shooter. He fits around LeBron. You have guys like Kyrie, who was a shooter. He fits around LeBron. You had J.R. Smith. You had, you know, so many great players who are good shooters. Kyle Korver was there for a little bit. These are guys who fit LeBron in his shooting because LeBron doesn't shoot the ball great. So the Celtics now, with Brad Stevens, have to kind of figure out how they can 
um, shoot the ball great and how they can, you know, play off of Tatum and Brown and can kind of get better on that sense. So um, now that Brad Stevens is the head coach no more and there is an opening, he is going to have probably the biggest decision which is getting a head coach in there, and more importantly, getting a head coach in there before the draft starts, because now Brad Stevens makes that decision on draft night, who goes 16, it's going to be the head coach who's going to be sitting there next to him and making whatever choice alongside him and learning you know, how Brad Stevens does things and you know, trying to figure out what works best um, with Brad Stevens and whether it's the draft, free agency, just the regular season, just anything. It's a big decision that Brad Stevens will have to make is getting a new head coach in here who in uh, many ways is going to impact this team for the future, right? Uh, One head coach comes in and he does great, the team does great. One head coach comes in, he does bad, the team does bad. So, yeah, that's a tough one. So, there are a lot of names being floated around as potential head coaching options for the Boston Celtics. Now, the first one, which has the approval of Kendrick Perkins, is Sam Cassell, who played one season at the end with Celtics winning a championship, plus two championships in Houston. He is an assistant coach with Washington, the Clippers, and now Philly as Doc Rivers number two. He is someone who has experience and is very good at uh, assistant coaching and working with young players. Now, I listened to a podcast, um, Locked on Celtics, where they uh, were talking to, uh, they had two guests on the show, and were talking about head coaching situations, and both of the guests said that the Celtics should go after someone who's an assistant coach and a former player. So they said Chauncey Billups, Sam Cassell, etc., etc. So someone who's been in the NBA and comes into this situation um, on the outside. And the thing is, for Brad Stevens, he has no NBA experience coming into this when he was the head coach, and it didn't work out. Doc Rivers is a great head coach. He was great in Boston. He's great everywhere he goes because he knows the game. He played the game, and he's good to relate with everyone who's there. And so he's very good at relating to all sorts of players because of that, right? Some of the greatest head coaches, Steve Kerr, can do that because he was with Jordan. He can relate. He was with Dennis Rodman, who is probably one of the craziest people in NBA history. And if you have to deal with crazy players, he's got a little bit of an edge there because he played with Rodman and some other guys in the NBA. And so he's someone who knows that, right? The greatest head coaches, in my opinion, are guys who have experience in the NBA. The known exception would be Greg Popovich, who is someone who's just been such a successful head coach. He uh, didn't have that NBA experience Uh, but is still very, very good at head coaching. But most of the head coaches have some sort of um, NBA experience um, or some sort of uh, long history of um, assistant coaching experience. In Houston, Steven Silas has been an assistant coach for years, so that's the situation. Um, According to Sportsline, um, they've released their uh, odds um, for this, and this was um, three days ago. But I'm sure the odds at this point haven't really changed because there hasn't been a ton of new info on the whole situation. So the top of the board, the top five on their list, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups, Jay Laranega, Jason Kidd, Becky Hammond, with Kenny Atkinson, Jeff Van Gundy, Wes Unseld, Mark Jackson, Lloyd Pierce, Mike D'Antoni, Jerron Collins, Jay Wright, uh, Juwan Howard, and Rick Pitino. Uh, 
Now, of this list, Rick Pitino's off the list just because they're not going to do that again. Jay Wright's off the list just because he most likely is not going to leave Villanova unless the Celtics really throw the best offer at him. Juwan Howard's probably not going to leave Michigan because he's a former Michigan Fab Five, uh, played in the NBA, and is just coming back home to Michigan. And I think a lot of people want him, and he probably wants to be one of the best coaches in Michigan history. So he's probably not going to leave as well. Looking at all of our other choices, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy do not make any sense because they're both announcers. Mark Jackson was a head coach, so he gets a little bit of an edge, but neither of those guys make sense to me at all. So, um, you know, there is a lot of names on this list. I'll give you my top three. Now, the three on this list that make the most sense would be Sam Cassell just because of his experience, Chauncey Billups because of um, his um you know, experienced as an NBA player, and he's well-liked around the league. And then Lloyd Pierce, former um, head coach of Atlanta, has experience as uh, a coach. Uh, so of this list, those are the three that uh, make the most sense. Those aren't my three. I think Sam Cassell's number one on my list. He is probably the best choice uh, for the Celtics. Number two on my list is Becky Hammond, and I know there hasn't been a female in the NBA as a head coach, but um, she did coach one game when Greg Popovich got ejected and um, is someone who I think is a good choice for the Celtics. They do have, um, you know, high praise coming from Brad Stevens, who has said before how he thinks she would be a great head coach and is probably going to be the first female head coach. And so I think there's a chance that she gets this job and 100% the players would um, respect her, and she would be a great head coach choice. Number three is actually not on this list. My third choice is not on this list at all, and he's probably the best choice internally. Jerome Allen has such a great relationship with these players as an assistant coach, and I think Jerome Allen is probably a perfect fit if they're looking for an inside choice, which I don't think they are, um, in my opinion. I don't think they should go down that route, um, and I think he would be probably the best available uh, one name not mentioned on this list is Carl Lawson, who is the former assistant coach of the Boston Celtics and current Duke head coach. Probably not going anywhere because she just got this job at Duke. I don't see her leaving. And for those of you saying maybe Coach K retired because uh, this whole thing took place, he's retiring. There's nothing going on here. He's not coming to Boston, no matter if they offer him a lot or not. Coach K has actually said before that he got offered, offered the job of the Lakers way back when didn't take it. They offered him a lot of money. He wanted to stay at Duke. So I don't see him going to the Celtics. So as I said before, um, I think Sam Cassell's number one. Becky Hammond's number two. And number three would be Jerome Allen. Um, in my opinion, um, you know, that's just kind of how I I think it would go. And so, um, you know, this is a big decision for the Celtics. And I think there's so many different people who could be up for the job and, you know, different, um, guys who could really, um, you know, make sense. Uh, you know, Jerome Allen was a head coach at the University of Pennsylvania in college. Um, you know, I think Jay Laranega has experiences, uh, potential head coach. Um, obviously his father is Jim Laranega, who's famous in Miami. And you also have the fact that he was up for the job in, um, Charlotte, and unfortunately did not get it. James Borrego ended up snagging that one. 
But I just think whatever they choose, it needs to be the right move. And I think Brad Stevens um, will be able to um, make it happen. And, you know, then the real work starts. Once you have your head coach in there with Brad Stevens as the player of basketball operations, then you can start actually looking at, okay, what's our free agency going to look like? What's the, you know, draft going to look like? Is these, you know, previously off-limits players actually off-limits anymore? Because... Yes, there are guys out there who Danny Ainge would have kept, Tatum, Brown, etc., smart. But is Brad Stevens the type of guy that's like, look, I like these guys, but we got to move on if we need to get better, right? So would Marcus Smart get traded if it's the right deal, if it helps us out, even though he's played with them for so long as, you know, the head coach-player relationship? Who knows? But this is a big situation, and it's a big move um, right here. So, uh, yeah. Moving on to some Patriots news. Uh, yeah, uh, Cam Newton has a slight bone bruise in his um, hand, his uh, throwing hand. This was um, this was during workouts, and he um, was uh, basically banging his hand in practice on his helmet. Um, and uh, basically, it's not uh, a major injury. And if it does, uh, you know, cause him to miss some games, that could potentially, um, you know, make for Mac Jones to get a step up and get more reps. And maybe Cam Newton doesn't become the starter like expected, right? Mac Jones plays four preseason games, and he does very well. And, you know, Bill Belichick's like, well, we just stick with this, and Cam Newton sits the bench, you know? That could be the case. We could see Cam Newton leave the Patriots or want to leave the Patriots, if it gets to the point where, okay, we have Mac Jones who played the preseason, he looks great, we're going to start him. Bill Belichick seems to like uh, Stidham. Maybe he's like, okay, we'll keep Stidham as the backup. We have Brian Hoyer, Cam Newton, you're gone. So maybe they either release or trade Cam Newton if he just doesn't get the playing time because Mac Jones steps up and is uh, the guy uh, above the depth chart. But I think, to me, you know, I think Mac Jones is going to be the better fit just um, long-term, obviously, and someone who I think could be, you know, the starter for a long time. And I think Cam Newton this whole season will be playing his tail off because they drafted a quarterback in the first round with the, I think it was the 15th pick. And at that point in time, Cam Newton knew, and I'm sure um, others knew, that this is the last season of Cam Newton in New England. And so he's got to play his best football, not for the Patriots' sake, but for the sake of other teams out there who maybe next offseason could use a quarterback and maybe see him as a viable option. Because if, let's just say Cam Newton has a great season, and let's just say Mac Jones plays a handful of games as a, you know, let's come in the third quarter when Patriots are up by 27 and just finish the game out, and he plays good enough where Belichick can say, hey, Cam Newton's playing, he's doing good, but Mac Jones is the future, and he's going to come and play next year full-time. Cam Newton needs to have a great season in order to secure a career past this season with New England, because if he doesn't play great, or if for some reason the Patriots are like, let's go with Mac Jones because Cam Newton hasn't played well, then his career is basically done. There's no team that's really going to take a chance on him. And yeah, you could say, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been around for a while, and he's been average, and whatever but cam newton is not a guy that's going to stick around long term if for some reason things don't go well this season 
Or even if they do, he might not get a job next year. So he's got to ball out as one of those guys who just really can get it done and has to prove himself to be still you know, a viable quarterback. Because it's not the Patriots that really matter in this. It's his own career for the future. And if another team out there who needs a quarterback, oh, what if Washington wants to throw their hat in the ring next year? If they need a quarterback, let's go after Cam Newton. You know, what about Oakland if they're kind of done with Derek Carr? We don't know what the situation is involving Denver. Maybe they go after Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, if he's going to be a free agent next year, Cam Newton, he's going to be someone that they could look at if he has a good season. So for the Patriots, uh, and more importantly for, um, you know, Cam Newton, it's uh, a big deal that, um, you know, he has a uh, good season. So, um, you know, I think, um, you know, uh, he is going to be someone who needs to, to give it his all and have a good uh, year because that's important uh, for uh, him. And so the Patriots will go with Mac Jones, whether it's this year or next year. It's just Cam Newton's got to do his best on his own. Next, we're going to go on to the Bruins, who have had an up-and-down second-round matchup versus the Islanders. So... They won game one, which was in Boston. They played game two and went into overtime, losing the overtime game with a series tied one apiece. Then we ended up getting game three, which was overtime as well. And Bergeron had a very good goal to knock uh, knock out the Islanders uh, in game three and take a 2-1 series lead. The Bruins look good. The Bruins look as good as you can get right now, and eventually they're going to have to play um, te- a bunch of different teams outside of um, you know this group that they've had to play against. Um, and when it comes to the playoffs, just at least um, at this point, you know they are the three seed, and the Islanders are the four seed, and they might have to play Tampa Bay if Tampa Bay can. Uh, win or they might have to play against Carolina if uh, Carolina can win. Uh, The Hurricanes got two victories. I'd probably rather have the Lightning in this one, um, in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, And then, you know, they could have to play um, Colorado or Vegas. Um, Obviously, um, the Avalanche um, have pretty much been successful winning two of three so far. Uh, and then there's a chance they play uh, either Winnipeg or Montreal, which the Canadians have uh, the uh, victory in uh, two of those uh, games right there. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, my assumption is they're going to have to play either Carolina or Tampa Bay, and then we're going to see Colorado and Go- or the Golden Knights take on Winnipeg or Montreal. And so this is a year, you know, they came close against uh, St. Louis, couldn't get it done. This is a year I could see them if they get past, uh, you know, the Central Division, if that's who they'll have to play. Um, then, uh, you know, we're definitely going to see see uh, a good thing going. So, um, yeah, hopefully the Bruins can, can get it done because the Celtics sure as hell didn't. And they were just a mess. At least the Bruins got something going. So, for once uh, in a while... Uh, we got the Bruins who are doing bigger and better things than uh, the uh, Celtics, which um, as a fan of the Celtics, more so than a fan of the Bruins, I don't like seeing it because I love seeing Celtics basketball be great. And I'm not as big with the Bruins side of things, but hey, can't really complain. 
got ourselves some uh, Red Sox. Not too much going on. Uh, game back at Tampa Bay. Uh, they are uh, four and a half games, or I guess I should say uh, three and a half games uh, above the Yankees. The Yankees are four and a half of the leaders of the, the pack. And uh, the best record right now has to go to Tampa Bay, uh, followed by the White Sox, then the Red Sox, then Oakland. And, um, yeah, the Red Sox are, are looking very good. Uh, percentage .596, which is not bad. They are actually playing much better away than they are at home. And they have a two-game win streak, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. In the uh, rest of, um, you know, baseball, the best of the best division by far and away has been the San Francisco Giants, Padres, Dodgers of the West. Three teams who are all fighting, and honestly, the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers, Padres and Dodgers are second and third place. They could be in first place in any division in the National League. The Padres could be in first place in any division, period, uh, in the uh, um, rest of the National League and the whole American League, because uh, they got um, the same record as uh, Tampa Bay, but... Um, yeah, the Red Sox um, seem to be uh, doing okay. This is a big series coming up. They beat the Yankees. They got another one today. Um, and so hopefully they can get shit done because uh, we want to see a victory. Because uh, I don't like the Yankees, and I just think um, losing would be the greatest thing that pushes the Yankees farther back. And Judge could be on the move. The Yankees pitchers never seem to get it done. And so for me, seeing the Yankees fail is um, one of the best things. There are only two teams in all of sports that I want to see fail completely. And I want them to just miserably fail without any uh, you know, remorse. And that's the Los Angeles Lakers in basketball, and that is the New York Yankees in uh, baseball. I really don't like those two teams, and that's just how it is uh, for me. Um, and so seeing the Yankees lose, especially to the Red Sox, makes it even better. Um, yeah, they uh, have had some success, uh, but yeah, Red Sox are just uh, killing it. And um, they got to worry about Tampa Bay, who is still dealing with um, some of their success from when Sharon Bloom was there. Uh, now he's obviously with the Red Sox um, and helping them. Um, and just seeing how good the, the Red Sox have been, they got some some good players in the Benintendi trade, and they recently added uh, three names um, in the uh, Andrew Benintendi uh, players to be named later situation. So the trade has actually uh, been uh, finalized at this point because we got um, some names thrown out there. So uh, the Red Sox got uh, Freddy Valdez from the New York Mets, who I believe is their 13th best prospect. And then from the uh, other side, Kansas City, Luis De La Rosa and Grant Gambrell from Kansas City. They're left, uh, I believe they're both left-handed pitchers. So um, both Valdez and De La Rosa have not appeared in a game this season. Um, and um, I guess Gambrell, 23, was the third-round pick from the Royals in 2019. And it is 2-1-1 in a 4.37 uh, this season ERA with the high A quad cities, whatever that is. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't know if these guys will ever turn out to be anything special. Um, and, you know, finally this trade has been 
uh, finish. But uh, Franche Cordero, who's the outfielder they got, looks pretty good. And they got, uh, I think his name's Josh Wawerski. Um, and uh, he's a relief pitcher they got from the Mets. And he looks, uh, he looks very good. So, um, you know, he is um, a really good uh, pitching prospect. Josh Winokowski from uh, New York Mets. And then Franchi Cordero from Kansas City. As well as three players to be named later. So... Yeah, that's uh, all I got for you on the Red Sox. And, you know, obviously there'll be a lot more news on Cam Newton's injury and the Bruins and everything going on. Maybe the Celtics will have a, a new head coach. Obviously they got some time before the draft, but they want to get something in place because obviously Brad Stevens is the one who makes this choice. But being a head coach, Brad Stevens knows he's not going to want to pick someone that the head coach, the new guy or girl, is not uh, going to be a fan of. So obviously as, you know, sports goes... And at least making the Celtics uh, successful, you want to have a head coach that works well with your team and also works well with the front office. So, yeah, we'll see what happens.